You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today we're going to talk to the mother of a brave young girl who has spent the early years of her life battling T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. It's a rare form of leukemia that produces immature white blood cells known as lymphoblasts. A normal cell will die, but lymphoblasts never do, and they accumulate in a mass in the chest area. Joining us from Oregon is Erin Purchase, the mother of Michaela. Erin is with us to tell the story of Michaela and how the use of cannabis oil saved her daughter's life. Erin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me today. Erin, if you had not treated Michaela with cannabis oil, do you think she would be alive today? I I sincerely don't know that you know the 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 whole answer to that because that about seventy percent of children that do have leukemia survive with modern day treatments. However, a very large percentage of those children are damaged forever from the chemotherapy and the radiation that it, they are required to have. Um, I sincerely believe Michaela had a much better outcome than she would have had had she not had cannabis oil and had to complete the full standard treatment for her particular cancer. Erin, what problems was Michaela having in terms of her health that prompted you to take her to the doctor? Michaela was having a lot of fevers and she had severe respiratory distress. It was almost like a a very, very bad case of childhood bronchitis and um, her skin was just so pale and it it didn't get better. It was getting worse. Week after week after week, it was getting worse. Um, And that's really what prompted us to get seek treatment for her. Uh, The week she was diagnosed, she was so sick. I I honestly thought I was going to lose my daughter and I begged the doctor to figure out what was wrong with her, and and that was when they they went forth with the blood test. Um, It's it's very unfortunate because childhood pediatricians, they don't like to subject children to blood draws. So when they do get sick and they come in multiple times, they're so apt to not even check and look into anything. So unfortunately, Michaela's cancer went quite a few weeks without being as misdiagnosed as various things such as lactose intolerant and just a common cold. Um, and so it's a very, very unfortunate flaw in the, me- in the conventional medical system that they, they uh, don't really look fully into things when children first present as sick. When she was first diagnosed uh, with, her, with her cancer, was uh, operating on the mass in her chest an option? Well, uh, leukemia is very, very different than a standard solid tumor. Um, mm-hmm. As you explained about, um, as an introduction, lymphoblasts are white blood cells that do not die. So 
the mass is, is what they say is a liquid tumor. It is a tumor made of blood cells. So there's there's no operating at all on the mast. Um, the mast was drastically brought down by by the steroid medications, and it was still in her chest when we began cannabis oil. We were we were blessed with the knowledge of cannabis oil prior to her diagnosis. So Michaela's one of the only children I know that got on it right after diagnosis. Ten days after she was diagnosed, we we started her, and. Um, the the cannabis oil it got rid of the remainder of the cancer that was floating around in her blood and it got rid of that mass within literally within a week of beginning it within one week within one week there was she did have a lower level than when she was diagnosed because steroids and the chemotherapy mm-hmm. they give, it does kill the cancer and it does reduce the mass size. However, there's just detrimental effects from that medication. It it does definitely bring, it did bring her cancer down to a low level. She was what they consider a late responder. They expect the majority of children with leukemia to be in remission from the conventional medicine within one week of the, uh, within one week of the chemotherapy beginning. And Michaela was a late responder. That's why she's also intermediate risk T cell. Um, she was not in remission until six days after we started the cannabis oil. And mm-hmm. her doctors, they were just baffled. That's exactly what he said. He said, I'm baffled. I'd, I'd never seen this happen. And what happened was Michaela's bone marrow hit remission before her blood. And in, in my own mind, I have a theory that the cannabis works from the inside out. I mean, it goes to our deepest core, and it, it just helped her. And it was amazing, just amazing. What was uh, Michaela's demeanor like uh, prior to being on cannabis oil and then getting on cannabis oil? Well, for weeks she was very ill, and then they began the chemotherapy, and it made her even more sick. Like, oh my gosh, she was losing weight, and she would not eat, just refused. I mean, you couldn't even get a smoothie into the child. She would gag and puke, and she was sad. She would try to smile, but she was sad. And the day we gave her cannabis oil, we we really advocate and, and believe strongly in THC medicine. Uh, there's a lot of demonization going on right now against THC, which is the psychoactive component of cannabis. But this is medicine. That is what causes apoptosis, which is cell death. So uh, we started McHale on a very, very high THC oil. And it, it did. It got her. She was she was. Don't. I mean, literally. I'm sorry to say that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> morphine makes a child high. I mean, every mm-hmm. medicine that the doctors give to the child gets them a psychoactive effect. So cannabis, it, it made her stoned in a good way. She started laughing. She was happy. She asked us for spaghetti. The, the about two hours after giving her the cannabis oil, she's like, "I want spaghetti." Granted, she was the the psychoactive effect was very strong at first because she had never been um, exposed to cannabinoids, unfortunately. And uh, she was she she couldn't get the fork from the food to the to her mouth, but she she ate that. We fed her that whole plate of spaghetti, and she just laughed. And from that day forward, Michaela never lost another pound. 
She ate every day. She smiled every day. She was happy, laughing. It was, it was just amazing. Erin, when did you, um, or how did you stumble upon cannabis oil as, a, as an alternative? Like um, our family, well, at that time, Oregon didn't have legalized recreational cannabis or very many dispensaries. And dispensaries were operating on a, on a club basis which was the gray area. Right. And it was it was very hard to find access to cannabis products. So we we helped patients on the medical marijuana program by traveling to areas of Oregon where it's more acceptable such as in Portland and we would we would help people find the medicine they needed. And my dad's best friend was dying of lung lung cancer. And I was helping him through it and I stumbled upon Cashy Hyde's website right. and my daughter was just beginning to get sick. She might not have even been sick yet. It's about three months before her diagnosis. And I found out about the cannabis oil and I was like, this is amazing. And I found it in Oregon and I got some for my dad's best friend. And I, so naturally when I was told my daughter had cancer, I just that was what she needed. <laughs> yeah, you'll do anything. For the benefit of listeners who aren't aware, uh, Cash Hyde was a pediatric uh, cancer patient uh, with a brain tumor who uh, used cannabis. Um, w- you know, his parents administered cannabis oil to him, and he did very well for several years. Uh, however, he did pass away. Um, and hopefully in an upcoming um, segment, we'll have an interview with uh, Callie Hyde or or Mike Hyde, or both of them, and discuss Kashi. But he's been an inspiration, I think, to a lot of parents, don't you think, Erin? Absolutely. And that website I mentioned is the com. if anyone wants to visit his website. He was an amazing little boy. Just This medicine is... It, it, it is just, it's amazing for the symptoms of the treatments that they have to go through for killing the cancer cells themselves, reducing tumor sizes and uh, reducing tumor sizes and and just giving them a better quality of life. And that's what this oil has done for both Cash Hyde, Michaela, and every other child I know whose parents stick to it. That's the key. You have to stick to the treatments. You can't be afraid of the beginning effects. You have to keep going and keep chugging through and keep giving them this amazing oil. Erin, we talked to a woman in Alberta the other day whose uh, daughter was 18 months old when she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma. Was that correct? That's, that's correct. Yeah. Mandy Drew's daughter. Are you familiar with Mandy? Cheyenne? No, Cheyenne with neuroblastoma? She, yeah, uh, I haven't heard of her yet. Yeah, the doctors essentially, Corey, but the doctors told her to take her home and enjoy the last. Yeah, make memories. Make, uh, make memories. Make memories. Um, I think they told her she had about two months at that stage. Yeah. And so she got her daughter on cannabis oil, but when the doctors found out what was happening, they essentially shut her out. And it was tragic because they didn't want anything to do with her, even though the cannabis oil was helping her. And this 18-year-old baby is now four years old uh, today, and in another year, next year, will be starting school. And you wouldn't know at all that she was uh, she suffered from neuroblastoma. She's not 100% at the moment, but she is a healthy, relatively healthy young little girl. 
What was the reaction that you got when the medical profession found out that you were using cannabis oil? Oh, it was horrendous. Um, we we were seeing our our cancer clinic is overseen by one of the top researchers at the Children Oncology Group, which that's how conventional medicine treats cancer. They have about five, here in the United States at least, they have about five cancer research groups and they determine exactly what treatments your child's going to get. And uh, our oncologist, she was very friendly until we told her that we were treating Michaela with cannabis oil and she she called us criminals. She couldn't even look at our family without having her knuckles clenched so tight. Her 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 fists were clenched so tight that her knuckles were turning white. She ended up getting very angry with our family and threatening to send us to a new hospital if she didn't want us at her hospital anymore. And that's when uh, I took it upon myself. I am the type of mother that's not going to let a doctor do that. I am paying them. And they are going to do what I want because this is my child. I gave birth to this child. And so I fired that oncologist. And I told her I was going to stay at the hospital we were at because if they were to move us, we would have to go to another state. And that is so unfair to uproot our entire family from our home state and send us to another state because you don't agree with the natural treatment I'm using. I wasn't going to stand for that. So I fired that oncologist that day. I've not seen her since. We are the only patients in our hospital that do not see her at all. And uh, we got a new oncologist who... Because the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, does not approve of cannabis as medicine and they everything they consider antidotal right now because of the federal law, um, he cannot actively support us. And he explained that to us, and we also understand that. But what he told us every time was, I would never advise you to change anything you're doing at home. And so it's really... It's a different opinion between different oncologists. And I suggest to any parent, if your oncologist isn't supportive, fire them. You are paying them. Fire them and find one who can tolerate you because none of them can support it right at the moment. They can um, find their ways of going around the wording and, and supporting you and what you're doing. But you do not have to deal with judgment. And that's that's just not, I don't tolerate that. So I advise anyone to find an oncologist that that's comfortable with cannabis oil because there is enough research out for these doctors to realize that it is helping not only children but adults and it has been helping for thousands and thousands of years. You know, you make a very good point because uh, I'll tell you a little a brief story here. I have a friend who in 2008 was feeling somewhat depressed and uh, he went to the doctor, and the doctor sent him to a rheumatologist who said that if uh, he didn't start taking medication right away, uh, he would be in a wheelchair with rheumatoid arthritis within two years. So he went on the doctor's medication, but after a month, he felt so horrible that he decided uh, he didn't want to be on the medication any longer. So he went to the, his rheumatologist and said, listen, I'd like to try um, marijuana, and uh, will you sign a form for me? And the rheumatologist said, no, I won't do it. And so my friend said he fired his rheumatologist, went to his GP, and told his GP what he wanted, and GP said, great idea. 
So he started on uh, medical marijuana, and he started vaping it because uh, the smoking it hurt his lungs. And he says the only pain that he has right now is just in his little finger, and he's fine. But his rheumatologist wouldn't wouldn't want anything to do with it, which is crazy. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's happening all over the, um, you know, to patients all over. I am also a patient myself. That's one reason I have always known about medical cannabis, because before it helped Michaela, I, uh, it was helping me. And uh, I've had similar similar stories happen to me. I mean, even I, I've been drug tested before, and they lied to me and told me, you know, they're running a pregnancy test when I can't have kids and stuff like that. And it's it's ridiculous. They want me to sign contracts saying that since I'm a medical marijuana patient, I can't have, you know, any medications to treat anything at all, hardly. No anxiety, no mental health, no nothing, um, which to me, I guess, was a blessing in disguise because I've found natural treatments for every single thing that I suffer from. And and to me, I keep hearing thousands and thousands of patients that just come to me. The medicines that the doctors are giving me are making me worse. And that's the same thing with chemotherapy treatments and uh, the treatments that Michaela went through. Those drugs, I mean, for the rest of her life, she has to have her heart scanned because of a chemotherapy drug that they gave her. Uh, I really feel let down by conventional medicine because they are not studying and they are not advocating to end the to reschedule cannabis so that it can be properly studied and implemented into our healthcare protocol. It's it just baffles me completely. Erin, uh, did you say that Michaela has to have her heart scanned uh, for the rest of her life? Yeah, like every five or ten years, she has to have her heart scanned, and she has to have bone scans for the rest of her life. She has to be followed by the oncologist for the rest of her life, just from the chemo, the after effects of chemotherapy. I mean, they cause learning disabilities, heart disease, liver disease, skin conditions. They're more prone to getting diabetes, skin cancer. And uh, it's, it's so unfortunate. Every single child and adult who goes through chemotherapy faces these uh, these horrible, chronic, lifelong after effects from the medications. And granted, I, I feel very thankful because we did we did use cannabis oil, and I did replace some of the most harmful medications with cannabis oil. I did not allow our physicians to do uh, what's called high dose chemotherapy treatments, and essentially that's when they deliver I high enough dose of chemotherapy to kill you, and then they rescue you with a, what they call a rescue drug. About an hour to an hour and a half after they administer a huge dose of chemotherapy, they, they rescue you. And I said, no, no way. You're not doing that to my daughter. Absolutely not. And another thing, uh, with Michaela's cancer, they, they like to do what's called prophylactic prophylactic brain radiation. And essentially what that is, is they're going to radiate their brain just in case a cancer cell has made it into their brain. Well, that is ludicrous because 10 years after anybody has brain radiation, their chances of a brain tumor has is drastically in, increased. So you're going to 
you know, uh, just on the off chance that a leukemia cell has made it in the brain, you're going to make it so my daughter pretty much is guaranteed to have either a brain tumor or never have her hair grow back or be stunted from burning the pituitary gland, for the, stunted in growth for the rest of her life. That's that's what the conventional medicine doctors wanted to do to my child. And I did put my foot down on some of the treatments and said, absolutely not. You're not going to do that. I give her cannabis oil. It's known to kill cancer. She's going to be great. And here we are four years later, and she doesn't have any of the major, major health problems. She only has minor, um, you know, she's had some learning, mm-hmm. minor learning issues from the chemo, but she's doing great compared to, almost everyone who's gone through the chemo treatments for T-cell leukemia. You know, Erin, I read an article a few months back uh, talking about, because we're, in quotations, so successful treating pediatric cancer, that we're ending up now with a whole new generation of young adults who have horrendous medical issues as a direct result of the chemo and radiation as a child. And many of these, yeah, and many of these adults, these new young adults, will never lead a normal life. They require 24-hour, around-the-clock care. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what a life sentence. I keep trying to tell people, radiation and chemotherapy is a life sentence. It's not about puking and having your hair fall out. You know, that's only the beginning. Yeah, it is so toxic to every single cell of our bodies. And, uh... Yeah, Aaron, radiation, especially to the head, yeah. is, is just something that nobody should take lightly. Well, you know, uh, uh, Callie Hyde often said, as horrible as all the radiation was that Cashy had, what really did him in was the radiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's detrimental. But radiation, especially right to our brains, which you know houses our every cell for, you know, that controls our entire nervous system. That is the most important, one of the most important organs in our body. Just to shoot it with radiation is so terrible when actually, you know, there's, there's cannabis, there's so many holistic options. And, you know, what baffles me too is that they do all these detrimental treatments, yet they, they don't even want you to feed your child healthy food. And uh, that right there shows that there's major flaw in the way we treat cancer. And uh, we're not, our, our, our conventional medicine physicians are not treating cancer the correct way at all. It's, it's not humane. It's not successful. I don't know how they can say we successfully treat children when they're ending up, you know, relapsing or getting brain tumors or, I mean, just devastating or ending up completely non-functionable on disability for the rest of their life just from the medications that they say are successful at killing the cancer. It's ludicrous. It's not how we should be treating cancer. Erin, you are very vigilant uh, with Michaela's diet, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we're advocates for uh, for really healthy food diets. Um, I'm currently going to school to finish my degree in complementary alternative medicine, and at the end of it, I'll be able to register as a holistic nutritionist because food and our diet, you're not going to do much good for your cancer taking cannabis oil if you're out eating McDonald's every, you know, night for dinner. I mean, that's just not going to do you much good. You're going to be trying to counteract too much. So I'm a very huge advocate for diet and healthy whole food diets. 
Aaron, the uh, cancer clinic here in Victoria serves donuts to their patients. Can you believe it? Do they really? Oh yeah, I Seriously. can believe it. The only the uh, only option the only option my daughter has for food at the cancer clinic is like soda pop, goldfish crackers, and Scooby Doo graham crackers, and candy is offered every day. I never fed my child hospital food. I walked to the New Seasons, which is a health food store a little bit down the street from our hospital. I bought my daughter fresh fruits and vegetables and healthy smoothies and whole foods because how can we fight disease in our body if we're counteracting all of that with stuff that our body can't even process. Well, for some of our listeners out there who may not know this, cancer absolutely thrives on sugar, hence my disgust. Oh, absolutely. And I noticed uh, on your website, uh, bravemichaela.com, that's M-Y-K-A-Y-L-A.com, you also give her vitamin and mineral supplements, which... uh, I was pleased with because a lot of what you have on there is what I take every day, and at least I think I'm fine. And uh, does Michaela, when she goes to school and sees other kids drinking sodas, does she have a desire for them? Um, no, not not really. Um, I I am big on not being super. Uh, I teach my children what what I call moderation. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we eat really good at our house. So if they go to a birthday party that's one of their friends, um, you know, they'll enjoy a a small piece of cake. And maybe if... I I prefer them not to drink any sodas that are made with high fructose corn syrup. There's a few select brands that make it with natural cane sugar. Or um, you can buy... um, here in the United States, you can buy sodas that come from Mexico, and Mexico doesn't allow high fructose corn syrup. Um, even there in Canada, your guys' food is much better than ours. Uh, you're not allowed to have our uh, what's called Kraft macaroni and cheese, which is a box of processed garbage. Um, your guys' Kraft isn't allowed to have what ours has in it here in the United States. It's horrendous here. So I, I, my kids really know I prefer them not to ever drink soda pops that are like Coca-Cola or Pepsi, anything like that. But if there's like a caffeine-free soda made with a natural sugar, I would totally say, you know, once every few months, enjoy one of those if you're healthy. But when Michaela had cancer, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I mean, when a child is actively in a, their body is in a disease state, that's when you really just, you don't put that food in their mouth. And uh, I was very thankful because I really taught her that. And at that point in her life, she would say no, but she wasn't in a regular class. Um, it's, it's such a shame that here in our in our public school system, they actually don't offer very many um, good, healthy snacks, like per se when they're having pizza parties and things like that at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is I, I tell my kids as teachers, I say, you know, I don't even think you should be giving this to any of your children, but please let me know when they're having a party and I will send something that's appropriate, like a soda made from cane sugar or, you know, a treat. But it's really all about moderation. Erin, do you get inquiries from parents around the world whose children have similar health issues to Michaela's? Oh, yes, thousands. Thousands? Thousands. 
And are any do they do they welcome the use of cannabis oil or are some resistant to it? Um, One of the biggest resistance to it is they are scared. They fear that their doctors are going to drug test their children and turn them into CPS, and they're going to lose their child forever. Especially if they're somewhere that doesn't have legalized cannabis. Um, And I understand that fear, but. I I believe, at least here in the United States, everybody in our country has the right to life. And in the majority of states, I have watched critically ill, when they do, when they have tried to go after critically ill patients, I have watched them fight and win. And I really believe that a child with cancer, I've never... I don't really believe that they're out to get you. Your doctors don't standardly... Um, run a child's blood for drug testing. They they really don't. Uh, it's an expensive test. They don't do it unless they suspect something. And when they do find cannabis, they understand most most physicians have heard of the benefits to cancer patients. And so I, I really don't feel like they're they're out to get you. But that is the number one apprehensive feeling towards using cannabis. I think, and also. Um, we there's such a stigma around the plant. I, you know, so many people just consider it a drug because for years and years and years, it's been the prohibition has caused people to think of reefer madness and this is a drug. Well, this is this is a drug, but it's a medicinal drug. It is nothing like you know, it's nothing that's going to harm. It's actually the not even harmful, and they've proven that. I mean, you can't really overdose on cannabis like you can on pharmaceutical drugs or iron supplements, you know? I mean, your child can get a hold of three grams of cannabis oil and consume it, and they might get sick, and they might fall asleep for two days, but they are going to wake up, and they're going to be fine. And that right there is amazing, and it's totally overlooked and this plant is demonized and it should not be. Corey tells a great story of uh, this fellow who took 40 grams at once and uh, he slept a lot <laughs> but uh, he was fine. He had cancer, didn't he, Corey? Re- um, reoccurrence he had of cancer? AIDS. This is actually a oh, friend AIDS. of uh, Bob Melamede's, Aaron. Yeah. And he took 40 grams at once. I mean, there's, there are no, there is no known case of anyone Dying from dying. overconsumption of cannabis oil Not or one. marijuana. Absolutely. No. Yeah. No, I don't recommend giving your child three grams all at once or 40 grams all at once. <laughs> no. No, no, you no, know, no, no. Um, I started out with a dose that was 0.07 grams, and that was about 60% THD was the oil, um, the test result oil. And and there was a definitely profound effect uh, at even 0.07 grams. And um, I don't recommend giving a large dose, but uh, what I do tell people, too, is when you do start it, you have to give it every day because if you skip a day, you're going to knock your tolerance level down, and then the psychoactive effect will be stronger the next day. It took about six weeks, and Michaela was fully functioning. I mean, she could, about six weeks after the beginning of oil, she could, she could function on her oil. She could go to the store. She could learn at school. She could dance around and have fun. You know, she was not in bed, laid out or anything. Um, mm. But it, it took a building her tolerance and 
that took devotion and and also I I love this plant. I believe in this plant and I believe in its medicinal effects and so I think that any negative any negative feelings that come in the beginning, you just have to chug right through them because they will go away. And I promise you that. Erin, on your website, you talk about uh, blending strains because all strains are different and all are beneficial. That's exactly what you did when you had cancer, wasn't it, Corey? Yeah, it sure was. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, I think it's very important to get a lot of variety in compounds, cannabinoid compounds, terpenes. I really believe in, in combining, you know, as many strains as you can combine to make your oil. That That's where you get it, the strong effects. Erin, what are the laws in Oregon now with respect to the use of cannabis? Um, we have we have two different programs. We have we still have our medical marijuana program, which is ran through our local uh, health authority, our state health authority, and we also have um, in 2014 we we passed recreational cannabis laws. So any adult over the age of 21 can legally possess uh, uh, I think it's about like eight ounces of flour, and uh, they can grow four plants at home, and they, I can't remember how much oil they can have. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I'm a medical patient, so I pretty much have those laws memorized. <laughs> um, but then that's for recreational anyone 21 and older, and that does not protect our children on the program. And that's why I advocate heavily, no matter where you are, if your state or your country or whatever allows recreational cannabis in, it has to stay separate and you have to keep supporting the medical marijuana program because the medical marijuana program is what covers children. It's what covers the patients who need to grow a lot of cannabis in order to produce the amount of oil that they need to make them. Here in Oregon, patients can only flower six plants at once and that's not even enough to make cannabis oil. Michaela, when she wasn't going through chemotherapy, um, we ended up having her on about a gram and a half to three grams a day for well over a year. And at that dose, she required the amount of medicine for four patients' cards, 24 plants I had to grow to produce enough medicine to make it through to the next harvest. And uh, so that's really the unfortunate part is that it's really hard to grow enough to make the oil, um, the amount of oil that a patient needs. So uh, if you're in a locality that's forming regulation on cannabis at all, please keep that in mind. Cancer patients need access to grow quite a bit of plants to make the oil that they really do use to survive. Erin, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Uh, you're a real kick-ass mom, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, fi- oh, thank you so much. Yeah, no, I think it's fabulous that you stand up against the medical profession uh, for the sake of the health of your daughter. And uh, I think uh, hopefully people around the world will hear you tell your story and uh, and for issues that they have with their children or their loved ones, uh, they will will take cannabis oil because it is a medicinal plant, it's not a drug, and it's been demonized since 1937 by governments all over the world, and I think it is time that the people took back some of their power. Amen. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Thanks, Erin. It was wonderful to talk to you. I appreciate it. You too. Thank you, Erin, very, very much. Bye-bye. Corey, it was great talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Corey, she's a remarkable woman, isn't she? She absolutely is, yeah. yes. And how did you uh, how did you come in contact with her? Um, I think when I first started going public um, about what I had done and uh, joined a few Facebook pages, and hers was one of the stories that was really uh, front and center, and I, I heard a lot about her from Janet Sweeney of the Phoenix Tears Foundation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. And I should remind our listeners, in order to help as many people around the world, we also need your help. On our website, there's a donate icon, donate button, which allows you to contribute and become part of this growing and compassionate global community of like-minded individuals. You can contribute whatever amount is comfortable to you. No amount is too small. No amount is too large. Anyone who can donate to help us carry our message, it's greatly appreciated. Thanks again for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Our website is CannabisHealthRadio.com, and we'll be back again. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.